There's no program. If the kids want to go, they can go, but there's no program from kids nine and upwards today. So they can stay in here or they can go upstairs, but there's no program. The Bible says that worthy is the lamb that was slayed. You see, in the Old Testament, they used to kill lambs and goats and sheep all for a sacrifice. And it was all symbolic to point to one day the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world will be crucified. Isn't it interesting? Worthy is the Lamb. We don't attribute you are worthy to die for someone. See, Christ was the spotless Lamb of God. See, the Lamb in the Old Testament had to be without spot and blemish. It couldn't have a blemish, couldn't have a sore, it couldn't be sick, couldn't be... It had to be perfect in the sight of the high priest. But, and you couldn't offer a, a substandard sacrifice. It, it wouldn't be accepted by God. But when Christ came, He was the sinless man. Someone said to me once, Jesus is half man and half God. No, He's not. That's paganism. Jesus was fully man and fully God. The fullness of God dwelt in Him. Although he grew up in wisdom and, and stature and honor before man and God, and he learned all things and he was tempted in every way but did not sin, and he went to the cross as the sinless Lamb of God. So when, when John the Baptist pointed him out, said, This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to us people who live in that weren't Jews wouldn't have meant much to us, but to a Jew who understood the law and the sacrifice, understood that, what are you saying? That that's the Messiah. And when Christ went to the cross and he who, he who knew no sin became sin. Let's rephrase that question. He who knew no sin became Tony on that cross. Because Christ didn't have to die for his sin. He never sinned. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. And the only way you can get free from your sin, free from the penalty of sin, free from the addiction of sin, is to come to Christ. He took my place and your place and became a preparation or a substitute. So instead of me paying for my sin, which I can't, so that means damnation unto eternity for hell, which people don't want to talk about anymore, Christ stood in my place. Hallelujah. And that's why we sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Because he became me. He became you. And we sing to him. Because we know that without him, we can do nothing. We cannot be saved. We cannot be delivered. And no matter how much our efforts, no matter how much good you think you are, only Christ is good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. For while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not while you were good. Not while you were, were in his mind thinking, yeah, you're not a bad friend. No, no. While we were sinners, breaking his law, perverting him, Christ died for us. And we never got to forget that, amen? We cannot forget the blood of Jesus. See, in the last days, there's going to be an antichrist. Not an anti-Jesus. What's the difference? Big difference. See, you can talk about Jesus and you can say Jesus this 
and Jesus that. But if you take away the cross and he, the anointing of the cross, in other words, if you take away the Messiah out of Jesus, you've just got a man from Jerusalem. But if you take away the Antichrist, if you become an Antichrist, anti the anointing, you come against the anointing. What's that mean? It means that you say all roads lead to God. And all, you know what? You've just taken away the Messiah, the anointed one, and now you're an Antichrist. So it won't be an anti-Jesus message. They're throwing his name out everywhere right now. So in the last days, it won't be an anti-Jesus. They'll have a cross on their neck. They'll have Jesus in their temples. They'll have Jesus in their, His love, His mercy, His grace. And they take away the power of the cross. That's an antichrist. That's coming, if not already here. But those who are in the light, amen? Are you in the light? Do you want your heart to open up tonight? They know who He is. They know who He is in you. That we're not slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness. That we're no longer called slaves, we're called sons and daughters. That we can stand perfectly in the finished work of the cross and understand what Jesus has done for us. That we can walk in power and liberty, amen, to be in freedom in Him. There's no other way to salvation through only but the blood of Jesus, amen. No other way. Nothing's changed for 2,000 years. Because Jesus loves you, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Welcome. Glad to see your lovely faces. Praise God. Have I said all the announcements? Oh, Brazil. Yes, we, we are going to Brazil um, next week. Um, so for those who, thank you for those who gave towards it. Can I be honest with you? Any proceeds that come are going straight to the people in Brazil. Every cent. Everything else has been looked after. So every dollar, every cent. Last time when we went, it was a blessing. We went out on the outskirts of the Amazon, not the Amazon, but the rivers that go into the Amazon. And we sat at the river. And if I died, no one would have found me. The place, they go, we're taking you to an island, mate. And it was a swamp. Paramount Lake is an island compared to this place. George's River is better than this place. Piranhas in the water, alligators at night, and jaguars in the, in the bush. And we're going on a holiday. <laughs> but it was amazing, amazing to see what God is doing in this world, in the midst of the jungle. How much more in the midst of us, amen? So it's an amazing thing to be in the will of the Father and the will of God, Amen. Uh, for those who have been coming here for a while, you, you know my jokes. You don't need to laugh. For those who are new here, you must laugh. Because we've got cameras here. And if you don't laugh at my jokes, there's some couple of big Fijian Islander boys. We'll come and escort you out. One Fijian. <laughs> Did someone say one? Hey, one's enough. See... Lebanese can't fight in this room. There's no reception. So you can't ring your cousins, all right? The reception is bad. <laughs> Tonight I want to talk about, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about to be empowered to be a witness to God. Not to go and share and witness to others, but you, your life to be a witness. Who can see a hypocrite a mile away? 
Say one thing and do another. That's a hypocrite. And a lot of the times we as believers, we sell our testimony because of our lifestyle. We say one thing, but we live another way. Now, I'm not talking about we have an issue and we struggle and, you know, sometimes the walk is hard. That's not, we're all going through that, amen? That's called sanctification. That's called a place where we're striving to, to some people are just struggling to live. So we're not talking about perfection here. But if I claim to follow Christ and be in the light as he is in the light, then how can I live like the world? See, I sold my testimony. Now, in my early days, when I came to faith, I got, I got touched by the Lord mightily, and I'm not going to talk about me, but uh, the, my story, but it was a massive encounter with the Lord. And I said a lot of things. So I had a lot of zeal for God, but no knowledge. I had a lot of uh, excitement, and I wanted to serve Him with, with, with a lack of maturity. And there was a lot of things in me that needed to die before I could actually say I'm on that right track. It's easy to point the finger at someone and say, you've got to do it this way. This is what Jesus said. But people see what you do more than what you say. Parents. They'll watch you do more than, don't touch this and you touch it. I was sitting um, once at a table. Get off your phones. And we're all on our phones. <laughs> what are they going to do? What did Jesus say? I only do what do I see, my? If Jesus, the Son of God, only does what his Father does, we're talking about his nature and character, how much more us? Amen? And so we need to know the tools. Now, God, nothing creeps up on God. There's no mistakes with God. God didn't say, you know, I created this. Oh, my, what, oh, what a mistake. God knows all things. He's omnipresent. He knows everything. Even when he made man, he made a way out for man when he fell. That's a, that's a loving God. But tonight I want to talk to you about, because we talked about the Holy Spirit last week. We're on the same theme, but I want to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit or the presence of God in the temple. Now we're going to talk about the old Jewish temple and I'm going to relate it to us. Who knows we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who agrees? But the Bible says... God no longer dwells in man-made temples. So if you're looking for God in a house, in a temple, in a church, in a building made by hands, you're looking for an empty house because God, he's moved out of the building. Remember Elvis has left the building? The Holy Spirit has left the building. <laughs> and for those who don't know, when Jesus went to the cross, at the same time Christ was getting crucified and he looked up to heaven he said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit, the Bible says. At that same time, the priest, the high priest in the temple, in the Jewish temple of the Holy of Holies, had just sacrificed the lamb on the Passover feast. And he had walked out of the steps because he would have, if you made it holy, he's alive, God accepted the sacrifice. And he, was, he would have walked out, stood on the steps of the outer court, the inner court of the temple and went, it is finished. At the same time he's saying that, Jesus is saying it on the cross. See, the Bible says the Old Testament is a shadow of what's to come. I always say the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. The Old Testament shows you what's coming and the New Testament tells you what's happened. 
Does that make sense? The shadow and the type. And when Christ said, In, into your hands I give you my spirit, and he gave up his spirit, the Bible says that the temple veil, so in that temple, have you got a picture of that temple? I'm just going with the flow, guys. The next one? Is there one? That's, that was the one in Moses' time. Go back. Just go back. Sorry. Okay, see that? This is considered... This gate here, you walk through this gate, so that's the outer court. You go through that door, it's called the inner court or the holy place. And in that other building, it's called the holy of holies. So you have the outer court, which the, the, the Gentiles would be, the common folk would be, and the women would be, and they would work outside. I'll explain what used to happen out there. Then... Obviously, the religious priests and that, and the, and the Levites and all the religious people that used to, would go into this part, which is called the inner court or the holy place. And, this, and we'll talk about that. And then the holy of holies, which is where the altar, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's where the priest used to go in once a year. Only the high priest was allowed in there and come and bring the sacrifice and pour it on the mercy seat of the Ark. And he would come out. And if you made it out alive, what a job. If you, can't, if you don't come out, God didn't accept it. And he would come out and say, it is finished. But that Holy of Holies had a four-inch, 70 metres high curtain. Not your fantastic furniture curtain. <laughs> Not your little... Well, one that you Remember the ones that our parents used to stitch up in the living room that no one was allowed to go in unless someone got married or died? That was the only one. That big thick curtain, that ugly looking thing that came from, looked like a Persian rug from, from Beirut in the 1400s. No, only just me, okay? <laughs> no, it was, the curtain was woven together and it was four inches thick and it was different colours, red, uh, blue and purple. Purple represents kingship. Blue represents the Holy Spirit or the Son of God, heaven. And the red, the scarlet, where it is, the scarlet represents the blood. That, that veil was Christ on the cross. He was the King of the kings. He was the Lord of lords. He was the Lamb. Yeah? Son of God, Son of man, crucified. His veil was his flesh. They tore him to pieces when they whipped him. We've spoken about that. And then the Bible says that when Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross, the temple tore from top to bottom. You can't cut that. You can't even get up there to cut that. Supernaturally, God cut that veil. And the Bible says that the spirit of God left the temple there that day. Never to dwell in man-made temples again. But where is he going to dwell? In us. After the cross, Jesus rose from the dead and breathed on him the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost... We spoke about Pentecost last week. He came upon his church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the, the ones that are called out for him, poured upon him, and now he resides in every human heart that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can someone say amen? amen. So if you're still stuck in religion looking for a way out, you're not going to find it because he's living inside you. And now Jesus says, I must go to the Father, and he sends the Holy Spirit. 
And I spoke last week about the Hoover Dam, how it collects all that water. Now, God's on my case about gates. Remember I talked about the gates that would open and the water would flow and it would spin the turbines and it would generate power and it would power up the cities. Hydroelectricity. But if, no matter how much water was in the dam, if the gates didn't open, no flow, no power. What does the Bible says? He who speaks in tongues does not speak to man, but speaks to God. Build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping in the love of God. We can go on and on about that, yeah? All right. Also, that if he gives you power, we, we think about power as in as energy. We think about power. I turn the lights on, turn the switch on. It generates power. But today I want to talk about the presence of God in you. God's presence lives in you. God is everywhere. Yes, and he's inside you. He wants that intimate relationship with you and he wants that external relationship with you. We're all here today. I pray that we all like each other. That's pretty silent now. <laughs> and we love communion with one another. We share with one another. We've got friends here from the Gold Coast. I want to roll out the red carpet for him because he's here. We have friends from uh, what? Green Acre. Green Acre. <laughs> I'm glad you just made it through the, the tunnel there. But corporately, we're together. But there's something about being in corporate fellowship and intimate relationship. See, Jesus had the multitude. He had time for the multitude. When he fed the 5,000, the Bible says he fed 5,000 men. If they all had a wife, assuming half of their wives came and their children come, they reckon there was 15,000 people there. So he had time for the multitude. He had time for the 72. He had time for the 12. He had time for the three. He had the time for the one. But he also had time for him and his father. He always took himself out to have time with the father. So tonight I want to talk about the candlestick in the temple, how that relates to us. I just want to show something with you before we go there because I'm excited to go there. This gate here is pretty big. And all of us could probably walk together through that gate more or less. Yeah? But as we get into the, from this gate into the outer court and go through that gate gets a bit more narrower. And then the holy holy gets narrower again. There's a curtain and there's a door. That's not doing us justice. But I want to speak to you today about this, the Jews call this, <laughs> the Jews call this the what? The way. The Jews used to call that the truth. What do they call the Holy of Holies? Life. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except for me. Hallelujah. What a revelation. You see, remember when Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction. I'm making scripture up now because I can't remember where it is. I'm not going to look for it. I'm not making it up. There's a, you just can call me out if I'm wrong. But I've got the mic and I'm in charge. Send a letter to our complaints department. That's the Tongan section. So I'm Jake. It's the same bloke. He's half Tongan. Anyway. Everyone knows I'm picking on someone here. What was I saying before I interrupted myself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, he said, a parable, he said a story in the scripture. He says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and those who find it. 
stay on the narrow path and all that. That's actually a Jewish description of how to get to Jerusalem. If you go back and speak to Semitic Jews and old Jews in those days, they didn't have GPS or U UB, uh, UBDs. Who remembers the UBDs? My wife bought some the other day. Why? I don't know, but she bought five, you know, just in case the satellite drops down. But no one knows how to read them. But, <laughs> but remember the old UBDs? You get the plan and you look at it and then where you want to go, there was a stapler, you know, and then you had to look at it 10 pages later, by the time you had five car accidents, you know what I mean? <laughs> or GPS. But in those days, and they would say, if you go here, you go there, wherever you're coming from, and then they'd say, when you get to the narrow road, stay on that road, because wide is the road, and there's bandits and, and robbers and pirates and, and insurrectionists, and they'll come and they'll murder you and they'll take your gear. They say, stay on the narrow road and you'll find the way. That's an old Jewish way of getting to Jerusalem. That wasn't something God, Jesus plucked out of the sky. And that blew me away when I found out that they used to call that the way. Remember there was a street, remember Rabbi's preached on it, the street of, called the way? It was a street called the way. What are the early church Christians called? People of the way. They weren't called Christians. The cross wasn't their symbol. The fish symbol that we have on our, it's a nictus. The fish symbol was, who knows what it represented? The fish. Yeah, but why a fish? No, it was just a code not to get caught out by the Romans. That's the truth. They put a fish, and all the Christians knew the fish is a believer there. Isn't it great when we believe in fairy tales? That's all it was. And the, the fish was a symbol to yeah, So they were called the people of the way or the people on the way. Later on, when the gospel went out of Jerusalem into the foreign land, they called them Christians to be Christ-like or disciplines of Christ. Amen? Now here in the outer court, what happens here? Everything here is made out of bronze or, or, or brass or brazen. There's a brazen altar here somewhere. Can you go to the other picture? The one with the... Yeah, that'll do. Go back, H. That there was where they, the burnt offerings... And that there was when the, they would wash themselves in the brazen altar. That place speaks of sacrifice, speaks of the flesh being crucified. This speaks of the cross. So before you got anywhere into the temple, this is an old makeshift one in the desert where Moses, that what, that's what Moses would have done. They would, make, they would cause a sacrifice, then they would cleanse themselves, then they go in from one compartment to another. The outer court represents the flesh. What does the Bible say we must do to the flesh? Crucify it. There's nothing good in your flesh. If you're trying to control your flesh, trying to uh, uh, make it new again, trying to discipline your flesh, it ain't going to work because it's got its mind of its own. The Bible says crucify your flesh daily. Why? Because every day it wants to rise its ugly head. Who's been there? That's why we walk in the spirit. So we don't gratify the lust of the flesh. So that speaks of the outer court. That speaks of the sacrifice. If you want to know what happens here, they used to kill the lamb, put the sacrifice, wash themselves up, and then go into the holy place. That's the cross. But the cross is, is not the end. The cross was the beginning. Because if you have a cross, and Jesus dying on the cross, and never rising again, you've got a dead man in a grave. So there's no power to the cross until there's a resurrection. Amen? But the resurrection has no power unless there's a cross. You can't separate them. I'll tell you what I mean. So the outer court represents death. I die to myself, 
A daughter of humility. This is where I got saved. This is where we all come and know where Jesus Christ is our Lord. He saved me from hell. And we rejoice and we sing like we just did. But not, some people just stay there. That's a great place to be, that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It's not about me. It's not about my works. It's about, but you know what? There's so much more. But many people can stay outside there and never go inside to the holy place to even get to the holy of holies. Because God wants intimacy. God wants his light to shine in you so he can speak to you one-on-one. -on -one. God's desire isn't for a bloke like me to tell you what to do. God's desire is for a bloke like me to encourage you to get into the presence so he can tell you what to do. Not just tell you what to do, but to be a part of your everyday life. If you have a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, you'll fall in love with him, man. There's nothing like it. Amen? But there's a purging going on here. So I want to take us to... Revelations. Who likes Revelations? All the Antichrist, trying to find out who the Antichrist is, love it. But that's not what we're doing tonight. So can we go to Revelations chapter something, verse something else? Oh, uh, where's Becky? The last one we sent. Revelations 1. Here we go. And verse... Let's go down to verse 9, AJ. So the Apostle John, the great Apostle John, who wrote the book of John and wrote Revelations. Now, John was the only disciple that never got killed for testifying for Jesus. Every other disciple died under the sword, thrown off a cliff, beheaded, um, skinned alive. Peter got crucified. Thomas got tied to four different horses and they went all four different ways and just disembalmed his body, disembalmed, broke him apart. See, someone said to me, you don't believe in saints. I go, yeah, I believe in St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. The writings that they have written for us, us, for us to read the testimony of Jesus and they got killed for what they saw, never denied him. Now John was put in prison. John was on the island of Patmos and he was praying and he was isolated, and then he had a vision from an angel, and he showed him revelations, what we know, that the book of Revelations. Showed him what was to come. I'm not going to get into all that, but I want to share something with you today about the lampstand, so we can understand these symbolic things. And when Jesus talks about the light and the burning oil in the lamp, and the, the versions that had oil and some ran out, we need to know all this so we can stay, make sure that we're all lighting up the gospel for ourselves. Amen? Amen? I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island, this is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now stop right there. Already we know that he's in jail because of one thing, preaching the gospel. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. That's all he did wrong, preaching Jesus. That's coming again. If not, it's already here. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to um, Philadelphia and to Guildford and Laodicea <laughs> and to Maryland. Thanks. Then I turned and I saw 
And I turned to see a voice, see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with, with, a, with a garment down to his feet and girded about to the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes are like flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if it was refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. We sing all these words. We sing these songs. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in, it, in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Don't, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I'm the last. I am he who lives, and he was dead, and he and behold, I am, I, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write these things you have seen, and the things which you are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars, hear me now. The mystery of the seven stars that which you saw in my right hand are the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are seven churches. It's all symbolic, yeah? When he talks a bit further down here in, um, to one of the churches, and we're not going to go there specifically, and he talks about, this is what I have against you. So Jesus now is appearing, or an angel appeared, and Jesus does appear to John and shows him some things about seven different types of churches in Asia Minor. These are talking about seven different churches of his day and seven types of churches that are on this earth today because it's revelations. Now, if you read them all in your own time, you will see where you fit because he had something against every single one of them. He loved their patience. He loved their works. But this is what I have against you. Now, he addressed the pastor of that church because the angel of that church, of that city, wasn't an angel, angelic being. He's talking about the leader, the shepherd, the pastor of that church because we are ministering spirits like the angels. Amen? Just to clarify some stuff. The lampstand represents Jesus and his presence of the Holy Spirit. And here he's explaining it here. Are you with me? This is a scary thought. There's a church. Let's go to Revelations. Chapter 2 and verse 5. Now he's just talked, he's just, I want to go through it all. Rabbi's touched on this. He was speaking to a church. He says, now this is, I love you, this, love that, but this is what I have against you. And he talks to him. Now look what he says. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do that first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is he saying there? He's saying to that church, if you keep going the way you're going, even though you're called by my name, even though I've come and visited you, I'm saying I'm going to take my presence out of your church. That's a scary thought. Now, can I just bring it to our level? If we are believers, is God's presence in your home? I'm not talking about walking around in robes and playing harps and singing I'm talking about is the spirit, because the seven spirits it talks about in these lamps, because the lamp had seven candlesticks. It talks about the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, kindness, revelation, 
pureness, all these things. We can go through them later. If I claim to be a believer in Christ and I want Jesus to bless me and bless my family and bless my business, but I'm lighting candles to the world or let me say it to the devil, how does God bless you? How do I say I'm a, I'm a child of God and, and I've got the devil sleeping in my bed? How? Because he, he has a go at them all. And he says to him, for this church, I'm taking the lampstand out if you don't repent. Repent means if you don't change your mind, my presence is leaving. And you know the sad thing? The Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind in Pentecost. But he can leave you without any notice and you wouldn't know he's gone. Saul had the Spirit of God in him, the King Saul in the Old Testament, and he didn't know the Holy Spirit had left him because he was out of God's will. Now, you might think that's a bit harsh, but Jesus is warning us because it's not like I felt today he takes his, his presence. No, no, no. This is a build-up. This is, this is like I've been warning you for a while. And now I'm going to give you the last warning. See, I don't want to ever be in a place where I think I'm in Christ and he's actually not in the room anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have the Holy Spirit. But what comes out of you is not rivers of living water. It's bitter streams. And what Jesus is trying to say here in this, in this, in this is that, that the candlestick that we're going to talk about now is his presence. And when light comes, it shines into darkness. Right now, if I was to open the curtain, I've shared this analogy a million times, but there's a lot of new faces here and I've got nothing else to say. So, I'm joking. If I open the window blinds now, and it's pretty dark outside now, yeah? Because last time I did it, it was daylight saving and I opened the curtain and it was actually light. So, that analogy died. But I'm pretty sure now if I open the curtain, it's pretty dark out there. Can someone say amen? Or can I say, say I'm right? Am I right? Let's have a look. All right. I don't trust any of you people out there to... Hallelujah, it's dark. But if I, open, if I open the curtain, guys, does the darkness come in or does the light go out? The light goes out. So light isn't the opposite, uh, opposite of darkness or darkness isn't the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And you wonder why your life's going to hell because you have no more light and you're walking in darkness and you think the devil's winning but all you've done is you've shut out Jesus because you've closed the blinds. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. I've always wanted to say that. I've heard a preacher say that once. Too. What I'm trying to say to you guys is that we can't claim to be in the light but walk in darkness. Revelations 4.5. I'm just breaking it down. Because what's, what's at the throne of God? From the throne proceeds lightning and thunderings and voices and seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, ministering unto the Lord. And that same Holy Spirit is living in you. The same Holy Spirit is living in you. In other words, the one that's thunder and lightning in Revelations lives in you. Let me say it this way. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You're not getting it. Oh, this room is um, ESL. This one's here a bit more um, private school teaching. Yeah, there's one there. One there. I hear another one there. Put your hand up. Where's Josh Weeby? No, he's gone. All right. Oh, no, you went to Guilford. There's no high school there. Fairfield Pats. Maris Brothers. The same spirit. That oh, sorry, I offended two people already. Yeah. Same spirit. I'm joking. One day I had a joke about vegans and they walked out. 
I was only joking. All I said was, God said, kill and eat. How do you kill a cabbage and eat it? You know, like, <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> the same spirit that, I don't know what I'm talking about. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. What I'm trying to say to you is, God has not left you as an orphan. He hasn't come and died on the cross and went back to heaven and says, now fend for yourselves, people. He's given us the tools of the kingdom. Yes, it's good to have an encounter with the Lord. I've had many encounters with the Lord. I've had people pray and have encounters with the Lord. But if I don't walk in light, if I don't walk in the manifestation of what he's done, if I don't understand who I am in Christ and I still walk in the things of the darkness and I say I'm in the light, I'm lying to myself. So let's go to the lampstand picture, please. This is interesting. In Exodus chapter 25, we'll go there in a minute. The manure. You shall make a, a, a lamp. We'll get to the picture after this. You shall make yourself a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornaments, its knobs, its flowers shall be one piece. The six branches shall come out of the sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Can I look at that picture right now? This is what he's talking about. Who's seen that picture? You know, you see it mostly in Jewish uh, pictures. They use this as a, you know. I want to talk to you about this lampstand. I want to talk to you that this represents Christ. Represents, and let me explain. This, when, when, when the Egyptians left Egypt and God started to teach him his ways and gave him the Ten Commandments and gave him the laws and what he shouldn't do and build the altar and build out of, out of uh, wood and the wood had to be covered with gold. The wood represents man, earth. The gold represents deity. And that Ark of the Covenant is where the Ten Commandments were put inside and Aaron's rod and the manna from heaven. And they'd put a seat on it, which is called the mercy seat. And two cherubim angels, have you seen that? Two cherubim angels. And the two angels are looking down, holding, if you have a look at the picture, down like that. And what do they do? They're staring at the mercy seat. But if you pull the lid out, what do you see? You see the law. What does the Bible say? Paul says the law brings death. Hang on, I thought the Ten Commandments are holy. They are but they bring you to death because no one can keep them. And that speaks of God's wrath on man. But the mercy seat, what is mercy? Jesus sat on that mercy seat when he shed his blood on the cross. So now we don't have to lift the lid to see the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. So now he shows us mercy. Amen? That's the covenant. And that ark of the covenant represents Christ. Timber, Christ, son of man, deity, the gold, son of God. Make sense? All this was pointing to Jesus, okay? But at the same time, he told them to make this golden lampstand. This is not a candlestick holder. This is 75 pounds of solid gold, beaten into its place by craftsmen, bored out through the holes. So every one of those shafts is hollow. And God said, this is the specific way, and I'm not going to read the specific way they built it. 
And you've got to understand, where did they get gold for? They were just in, in slavery for all those years. Well, they took all of Egypt's gold. You know, just on a side note, when they built the golden calf and worshipped it, it was only out of just the earrings. That's how much gold they plundered out of. He says, well, you kept my people for 430 years. You owe them back pay. <laughs> took all their gold and silver and cattle. This is 75 pounds. In, in our terms, how much is that in kilos? Anyone here? Any engineers here? Any fruiters with a weight scale? <laughs> At 137 kilos. I thought it was the opposite way. Oh, well, that was a dramatic effect. You killed me. <laughs> 37 kilos of gold, beaten and shaped and molded. Let's keep reading. We'll go back to that in a second. And let's go to. Exodus 37, verse 17. This might repeat itself a little bit, but I just want to show you something. There were three bowls made like almond blossoms and one branch with an ornament, a knob, a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other side of the branch with an ornament, knob, flower, and for that, six branches coming out of the lampstand. All it's doing is, can we go back to the picture before our boy is? Sorry, I know I'm making his work, but it's very important. Can we do a close-up on that close-up, Becky? If you have a look closely, and this is a replica. Can you see like those little patterns there? They were all throughout the branches. One was like a bud. One was like a flower. Just different little patterns. Yeah, like that. It speaks of the seed, then the bud, then the fullness. Maturity, like when the, you remember the, the, this parable. And there was all through that ornament. Now it's interesting. On that menorah was 66 patterns. How many books in the Bible? Okay. One side, can we go back to the full view? One side of it had 39. How many books in the Old Testament? Who knows? 39. How many books in the New Testament? So if you have a look at this in closely and, and look at all those little pockets on the branch, there's a 66 little ornaments and every one of them holds oil. And there was 39 on one side and from the middle of the shaft there was 12. So there was 39 on one side and 27, including the ones in the middle of the shaft. Speaks of 66. In other words, before the Bible was put together, people, God's light of the world in that menorah had showed you a pattern of what's to come. Every one of those symbols holds oil. You know what lights this? There's cloth wicks. Cloth. The only thing that wasn't gold was a cloth wick or a wick made from the earth. Listen to this. That was powered, sorry, that was filled Every day, by the high priest, he would pour oil. And every little pattern would hold oil and they would light it up and that was meant to burn 24 hours, 7 days a week. The priest's job was to keep topping up the oil and trimming the wick. The wick speaks of the flesh. And if you allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to keep trimming you, 
Listen, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will keep flowing through you. If you're reading His Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to burn brighter in you, then you'll work the works of the kingdom. Does anyone get this? I'm dumb and I get it. I'm serious. But listen to this. Gold speaks of what? What did I just say gold was? Speaks of? Speaks of what? Yeah. Divinity. Gold, silver speaks of? Redemption. Bronze speaks of? Judgment or purging or cleansing. I had to beat this thing into order. What was Jesus done at the cross? He was bruised for our iniquity. He was crushed for our... I got it all wrong, eh? He was chastised for our peace. Bruised. Bashed. Whipped. Pierced. Mocked. Ripped his beard. Put a crown of thorns on his head. Nailed his hands and feet. He was beaten into what? Submission to death. This lampstand represents Christ. He beats it into place. What happened when they crushed Jesus? He died and the devil thought he'd won. But on the third day, he rose again. What did he do to give us the Holy Spirit? What's the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. And all you've got to do is keep trimming the wick. But the oil, not any oil would work. had to be pressed oil. had to be fresh oil. What does the Bible say? How do you, how do you know if your olives can make good oil, anyone? Any let logs here? <laughs> now we definitely... Car number EZ... Ed. <laughs> There's a car blocking someone. EZK54W. What, what kind of car is it? MG. Well, P plate and your windows are open. And the handbag inside. Is that sure it's from us? I don't know. Just making sure. That's not going to last long in Maryland, so I'm telling you now, if it's open. <laughs> it's a white one with a P plate on it. It might not be us. Don't look, everyone. Don't look. Look the other way. Look the other way. <laughs> now we've fulfilled the Lebanese mandate. Every wedding, every church service, every party, someone's blocked someone's driveway, isn't it? <laughs> we've, we have now fulfilled the Great Commission. I'm surprised it's still there. So that was beaten. Can you see a picture of the cross here? That the divine Jesus, the sinless Jesus was beaten for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of his peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. But what was the priest's job? Every day to keep filling it. Every day to keep filling it. But what was the job in the temple? So when you come out of the outer court into the holy place or the inner court, it was dark. And there was a... Uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to have a talk later. <laughs> there was... Uh, it would light up and there was no windows. And it would light 24-7. And there was a table over here with showbread, which is the bread. And there was here where they burnt incest to God, the sweet aroma to God. That light shines on the bread. What did Jesus say? I'm the bread of life. If you eat from me, you'll never go hungry. What is the word? The word is eating from him. And then it's a sweet aroma to God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can anyone see this? 
But Paul says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder, used to wonder, Lord, do we keep leaking? No, in order to keep burning and not burning out. See, you know the quickest way to quench that fire? What does the Bible say? Don't quench the Holy Spirit? How do you quench it? How do you quench a fire, anyone? All right, let me narrow it down to our level. I've got a barbecue. <laughs> and, I'm, and they're $10 a bag for seven kilos. And I don't want to waste the ones. So you tell everybody, have you finished eating? And you quench the fire by putting the lid on. True? So we want to save them for next week. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I know what village you're from. <laughs> what do we do? We quench the fire. How do we quench it? We put out the fire. We stop its oxygen. We put dirt on it. You can quench it. You put water on it. You can quench it. True? If the high priest doesn't start trimming the wick and get the dirt off the wick, guess what? It'll eventually quench and put out the fire. If you're not fasting, people, <laughs> hallelujah, and you're not repenting of things, and you're not bringing things to the Lord, and you're not reading your word, you're going to quench the Holy Spirit, and then you'll stop burning. And you wonder why Jesus is not talking to you. He is talking to you. You're no longer burning His light because you've just run out of oil. You've put the fire out. Does that make sense now with the ten virgins? Five were foolish, five were wives. It's, it's, they stop looking for him. They stop walking in the anointing. They stop filling. When Paul says be continually filled, the Greek word for continually filled isn't keep filling it up. That's a type and shadow. It's like a wind of a sail on a boat. When the wind keeps blowing, the sail keeps picking the wind up. It keeps going, keeps moving. When continually filled. Come on, people. Jesus has got so much more to give you if you're willing to open your arms and then just receive what the Holy Spirit's got for you. See, it's not that God doesn't want to move in your life. It's that we don't know how to receive it. And the lamp is speaking about lining up, illuminating. Share this with you. Proverbs chapter 20. To show you how this all comes together. Have I lost anyone yet? Well, someone said, yeah, when you said hello. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Can everyone read this with me? One, two, three. The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of the man is the Lord's candle. Let me paraphrase it. The only way you can light the spirit of a man is Jesus Christ because it's his candle. You can search high hell to high water, find any philosophy you want. You can get any intellectual, and I'm not putting down education, I'm not putting, but no one's going to light your spirit except the Holy Spirit. No one. No one. And when he lights you up and lights your spirit up, God can start communicating with you one-on-one. -on -one. Why? You have a direct frequency now with him because the light is on. And he searches the deep things of the heart. And he starts to search your heart and see what's your true motive? What's your true motive? What is really in your heart? What is really, what is, why, why are you here? What do you want from God? See, the whole conference in Brazil is all about eternity. Do you come to Jesus to get something from him all the time? Or you come to, for Jesus for who he is? Imagine going to a friend and all you do is take from him. And you keep giving him. After a while, you say, I'm getting used here. That's not a relationship. See, sorry to say this. We use God sometimes like some people use a prostitute. I only need what I want and I'll pay for it. Just give me what I want. 
And God is now, don't pervert God. Come to him because he loves you. I don't do this for any reason because he saved my life from the pit of hell. Full stop. Can I tell you the miracles he's done in my life? Yeah, but that's not why I serve him. I thank him. I'm believing for more, but that's not why I serve him. I don't serve him because he's looking after me. No, no, I serve him because he loves me. And when you understand, if you get Jesus, you get everything. If you get Jesus, you get everything. No matter what comes your way, the Holy Spirit's got your back. Amen? Amen. So we've got the outer court, the inner court, now the Holy of Holies. I want to go there because I'll, I'll be here for two days. But all it's saying is that when the high priest was the only one allowed to go there, and listen to me, the high priest wore a robe, and on that robe he wore another robe on top, and then he wore the, F, the what do you call it, the 12 colours, pronunciation is bad, if I say it I'll probably get it wrong. And, and he had bells and pomegranates on the robe, so every time he walked, and if he heard them, he dropped dead. True. But he had all these things. He had to dress a certain way. He had to put undergarments on, which you didn't see, but God sees. So if he didn't put them on, he would drop dead. If he didn't wash right, he would drop dead. If his heart wasn't right, he would drop dead. Who wants to be a high priest now? <laughs> hey, son, I want to grow up to be a high priest. And only he could go into the Holy of Holies once a year to perform the sacrifice for forgiveness of sin but the problem was, you'll be forgiven. The nation of Israel would be forgiven because what he would do, he'd lay hands on the lamb and confess his sin on the lamb and confess his sins and the nation's sin. So now that lamb becomes the scapegoat, the sacrifice, and now he pays for the sin for everyone. But the problem was, you're, you were the same. I was the same. Our conscious, our inner man never changed. Our nature never changed. But when Jesus came, not only did he become the sin offering for everyone, he went to hell, came back out, and now he said, you can be born from my spirit and I can change your nature now. So now you don't have to go by a law. The laws are written on your heart. Now, if you're willing to submit to the light and the light being the 66 books of the Bible with the anointing of the Holy Spirit burning bright next to the bread and being a nice aroma to God, guess what then? You can walk into the Holy Holies because of the blood of Jesus. You don't need a high priest anymore. You know why you don't need a high priest? Because Jesus is your high priest now. And the Bible says we come boldly to the throne. Boldly means with confidence, you know? I was going to do a walk, but I thought, no, I'll get carried away. You can come out of my way. That's a Chandra Volta walking. Boldly means with confidence and assurance. I can come to the throne of grace, the very place they would drop dead in. I can come boldly with confidence and assurance because of the blood of Jesus. And obtain mercy in a time of need. We're going to stop being scared of God. We never lose reverence for God. But come to Him as a child and sit at His feet and receive what He has for you. As long as your candle is still burning. Hallelujah. 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 7. This is John's writing. Now, the Apostle John also wrote the book of John, like 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. They're the smallest books in the Gospels. And that's before he died. Some scholars believe he was around 80 years old, 
And not long before he died, he wrote these books. How, do you, how many people know that what someone tells you and says to you before they die means a lot more than what they said to you at the beginning of their life? That this is John who walked with Jesus. This is John who saw revelations. This is John now who's been serving the Lord all his life. And now he's saying some stuff to you. We better listen. True? True? Look what he says. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what that tells me? I might be struggling, man. I don't understand this tiny guy. He just talks too much. But if I keep walking in the light, yes, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'll keep walking in the light, and the blood of Jesus keeps cleansing me. And I'm in fellowship with you. You know what fellowship means? Communion with one another. Communion with God and communion with Him. And while I'm still walking that walk, and I'm not swaying, I might fall, I might get things wrong, I might say things wrong, I might not understand, but keep on walking. You know why? Because the blood is still following you. The blood is still following you. Don't let the fire burn out. Don't you burn out. Come to your master every day. So he can keep filling you. John chapter 8 verse 11. She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to him, neither do I condemn you. And go and sin no more. Talking about the woman committing adultery. Yeah. Next verse. Then Jesus spoke to them, say, uh, them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Where was the candlestick people? In the altar, outside. If you come to me, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What was the front gate called? The way. What was the next gate called? Truth. What was the holy, holy curtain gate? Life. If I come through the light, I go into life. In other words, if I'm saved by the blood, if I'm born of His Spirit and I walk in the light and the blood of Jesus cleanses me, I can walk into eternal life and life on this earth in abundance. I'm not waiting to get to heaven to have eternal life. The Bible says this is eternal life. That one God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I'm already seated in heavenly places, the Bible says. Stop looking for tomorrow. Start living in today because the kingdom of God lives within you. Amen. We'll never be in heaven in the sense that as if we were with him, but the kingdom of God dwells in you. Like I said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, what problem have we got? It's not the devil, it's you. I've got to keep trimming that wick. And I can walk into life. See, some people aren't living, they're surviving. But God says, I want to have you give you life and life more abundantly. You know, abundance means more than you need. Not, I give you life enough to get by. Life more abundantly, amen? Hallelujah. I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm happy. The presence of God in the temple was a picture of what he was going to do on earth outside the temple. If the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then inside you dwells the fullness of God in the form of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. So the secret is, 
Who's riding the horse? The flesh or the spirit? Who's riding the horse? The soul? See, we are spiritual beings with a soul that lives in a body. Our body is our flesh, our soul is our mind, our wind and our, our emotions. What did I say, wind? My, my mind, my, my, my mind, my will and emotions. See, I said something wrong, no one even picked it. See, emotionally, emotions can take you to a place you do not want to go. Or emotions can lead you to the master himself. So I believe the outer court is the flesh. The inner court is the soul. But the holy of holies is your spirit. But what comes out of the temple is light. Where does it fill? The inner court. The outer court is where death is. The inner court is where his presence is. But the life is in the holy of holies. Where it's one on one. You know in the, in the holy of holies only room for one person? There's only room for one. What does that signify? I'm trying to keep you out. Religion says that. Only the priest can go in there. But grace says it's one-on-one -on -one with you and him. That every one of us can go in there by ourselves, one-on-one, -on -one, you and him. No other person. I'm not interested in anyone else, you and him. But see, while he's sitting with Justin here and, and having one-on-one, -on -one, he can have one-on-one -on -one with my brother here and one-on-one -on -one with my sister there. And I pointed to George and said, sister. <laughs> I rebuke that in Jesus' name. He's having enough time. He's a St. George supporter. See, that one-on-one, -on -one, me and him, you can't hide, you can't lie, you can't, you can't manipulate, you can't fake it. It's just you and him. But now I've learned in 20 years, it'll be 21 years this year, that the more vulnerable I get, the more he reveals himself to me. Because the more I try and, I've got it. You ain't come. You know what? I'm pretending. I'd rather come with my warts and all, my dysfunctions, my filth, my, I come and sit with him because the only one that's going to cleanse me is the blood. Amen. You know, if Adam just went back to God, things would have been sweet. He ran away from him. Don't run away from the Lord. Run to the Lord. And he's got the kingdom there. Because he's the light of the world. Amen. Can we stand? I pray I got that out as best as I could. Does that show you a different way of when you see things? in the, I could talk about every instrument in the temple. I could talk about even the gates outside the temple. The columns which represent the church and the, the apostles. We could go all day just seeing the typology of Jesus. But that, that one there always speaks to me because that light of the world, the light of life, the candlestick and everything, the, the whole 66 books of this Bible, the whole gospel is written there. The whole gospel is written in that lampstand, beaten for us. So he can see if Jesus Christ wasn't crucified, he could never be multiplied. If he wasn't sown, we could never reap his reward. Think about a second. Unless Christ was crucified, he could never be multiplied. But you see, God didn't just want one son. He wanted a family. And Jesus said before eternity, before time began, I'll go, prepare me a body. I'll go. And I want to encourage you today. I really pray that I got this across because there's a lot to take in there. And I left so much out because I think I just confused myself. But 
that little the knob and then the bud and then the flower speaks of maturity because you know when you plant a seed of a flower then it sprouts out you don't get a flower straight away do you if i put a seed for an orange tree there's no such thing as an orange seed it's an orange tree that produces or bears fruit bears oranges yeah but something has to be sown first then it comes out then it buds then it, then it blossoms does it make sense it's called maturity but see how we get mature listen to me your everyday life is important to god you come in and have an encounter with god and i had many encounters but you know what the encounter is a beautiful thing but it's your consistency your diligence in him because that speaks of the oil burning through the through the, the candlesticks that the main shaft is jesus and he feeds everything and while i'm getting fed and the holy spirit's flowing through me i might be just a little knob but then i might end up becoming a little bit of a bud and then to a place where i become a fully grown flower in other words i'm going from 30 fold to 60 fold to 100 fold i'm going from the outer court to the inner court to the holy of holies i'm going from the good the acceptable the perfect will i'm going for a little man a little boy young man old man i'm going from a sinner to a saint to a son when listen to me when god calls your name when jesus touches your nose shoulders says come my daughter come my son that is worth that will change your life more than a million revelations just to know you belong i say this unless you belong you'll never become unless you belong you'll never become it's all in the candlestick it's interesting that a lot of the patterns are in the middle shaft speaks of the 12 tribes of israel and the 12 disciples but the main shaft is jesus every shaft is connected to jesus every shaft old and new is connected to jesus but see if you disconnect from jesus nothing will flow but when you stay connected to him the holy spirit will keep flowing and i don't know where your life is at the moment i don't know if you really understand what i said today but you just want some light in your heart you just want the bible says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and if you don't know jesus christ is your lord so you might know about religion i'm not trying to tell you to join the church join a religion i'm telling you to come to the person that lover your soul the lover of your soul that while we were sinners christ died for us and the holy spirit's job is to illuminate what's in your spirit to flow into your soul to heal your heart so you can walk it out so i can't do nothing without him it's him it's all about him amen it's all about him so if you don't know jesus christ as your lord the opportunity is to surrender your life to him today i don't want you to invite him into your heart i want you him to break your heart he broke mine 20 years ago but then he put his heart in me and if you got christ you got everything and for those who are struggling with their walk you know what 
Let the Holy Spirit trim your wick. Don't think your light is brighter. Not one of those candlesticks could say to the other candle, oh, my light's better than yours. They all get fed by the same source, by the same Spirit, by the same Lord. Let your light shine before men and let them glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. We thank you, Father, for your love and kindness, your mercy and your grace. There is nothing in this, in your word is by mistake. Before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. You knew us before we were born. You needed us in our mother's womb. So Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that your spirit illuminates our hearts so we can burn bright for you, Jesus. But Lord, do you search the innermost being of our hearts, that you will heal the places of our hearts. If, if people are hurting, Father, you'd bring comfort. If people are bound by addictions, that you would break those addictions. For those who are struggling to know you, who are offended on your namesake, that you would bring total restoration in Jesus' name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and download the love of the Father tonight. Let His anointing flow. Don't be a bystander. Don't let him go by you. Touch his hem of his garment. Be like Zacchaeus who climbed up a tree just to see him. Be like blind Bartimaeus who risked being thrown out of the city just to call his name. You are the light of the world. And in you there is no darkness. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher. You are the helper. You are the comforter. You are the truth that God's into all truth. And I worship you, Jesus. And we declare you are Lord Almighty. You are the Alpha and you are the Omega. You are the beginning and you are the end. And outside you there is no other. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that the work you started in every single one of us, you will complete. And just like you beat that lamp into and formed it, you're forming us on the inside and in our inner man. But the Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself, but only speaks what he hears from the throne. And I thank you, Jesus, for our lo your loving kindness. I thank you, Jesus, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you, Jesus, that we can reach out and touch you at any time. Because you have tore the veil and you've brought us into your presence. And I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. You deserve all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Love you guys. Be blessed. See you on Wednesday. God willing. Keep the oil burning, eh? Amen.